Over the past decade, consumer reviews have expanded beyond restaurants and hotels into the realm of healthcare, hospitals, and physicians. The ratings publication Consumer Reports has long been interested in health issues and has been involved in health comparisons through its Health Rating Center. Consumer Reports currently provides ratings on cardiovascular surgeons and in 2013 released performance scores for nearly 2,500 U.S. hospitals. In this episode of the ASN Kenya News Podcast, ASN Executive Director Todd Ibrahim speaks with Dr. John Santa, the Director of the Consumer Reports Health Rating Center, about the challenges of rating healthcare providers and how Consumer Reports' approach differs from other health rating entities. So, Dr. Santa, what is the Consumer Reports Health Rating Center? Well, the uh, Rating Center is a multidisciplinary team of physicians, other scientists, statisticians, and journalists who are interested in health comparisons. And that's the unique thing we do. It turns out that uh, doing good comparisons is a formidable task. Consumer Reports has been doing it for 77 years. We know how to do it well, and five years ago, we decided to try to do more health comparisons. Consumer Reports has always been interested in health. In fact, there was a health article in the very first edition of Consumer Reports in 1937. So it's always been there, but now there's a significant focused area with uh, devoted resources and uh, a pretty seasoned group of folks now because we've been doing this for five years. So when you made the decision to pursue health comparisons, what were some of the pros and cons as you discussed it internally? The pros was the degree to which health had grown in terms of our economy and grown in its importance to consumers. And another pro, though it doesn't really seem like one in some respects, is Consumer Reports was founded because of concerns in the 30s that advertising and promotion would create an unfair marketplace for consumers. And I think most of us would agree that there's lots of examples of that. And and sad to say that in the last 20 years, we've seen health become a perfect example of that. There's many, many examples we see every day of healthcare advertising and promotion that is not evidence-based, is not transparent, and yet involves healthcare folks who offer either products or services saying that they're the best and that their results are the best when when, in fact, there may be little or no basis for that claim. So how is the hospital safety score compiled? Well, the hospital safety score was our first effort to bring in several elements that we thought had to do with safety and do what we call a composite. In the ratings world, the whole goal is to eventually emerge with a single composite. We have that, for example, for bypass surgery from SDS, and their composite is actually a a run-up, if you will, of uh, multiple different uh, factors that eventually goes into one score. So we did that for um, hospitals and safety. Um, uh, We kept ours relatively simple. Um, LeapFrog uh, pursued the same sort of strategy at roughly the same time, and Um, They ended up with uh, a a lot more factors than we did. We ended up focusing on on basically uh, five, six areas. And uh, we started with uh, hospital-acquired infections, um, at the time mostly central lines, but now they're surgical site infections. 
that the, that data is coming on board. And soon we'll be seeing, relevant to your specialty, catheter-associated urinary tract infection rates. So um, hospital infections. Um, readmission. Uh, we thought readmission was relevant. Uh, some hospitals have disagreed with us. But we think when someone's readmitted, uh, there's a good chance that something uh, went wrong. We know that from a variety of different studies. So we included readmissions as a, uh, um, a factor. Another controversial area that we chose to put in our safety uh, factor was um, patient experience scores related to uh, discharge and to drugs, um, uh, both of those being very relevant uh, safety areas. And we included it in large part because these were consumers speaking. This was a one opportunity to actually uh, have consumers be influencing um, a rating. So we included that, and some of the hospitals uh, have disagreed with that uh, approach. Uh, a fourth factor uh, that uh, uh, we thought was interesting, and to some degree uh, your specialty is uh, linked to this, is the use of contrast, with and without contrast for chest CT or abdominal CT, and CMS had released that as, as utilization data, asserting that the number of times that you need to have both with and without contrast studies is small, which turns out to be right, and all the evidence suggests that, especially for chest CT. We saw that as a safety issue. Why is a hospital uh, doubling the radiation exposure for a patient um, when they could get away with just one uh, dose? That one's worked really well. Very difficult for hospitals to defend doing both with and without in a high percentage of cases. The only defense is that they make, make more money or uh, the orders are coming in from doctors, including primary care doctors. Then finally, uh, uh, we did use uh, data um, from ARC that, uh, again, some of the hospitals think is controversial on uh, complications and, and a number of different hospital complications, including falls, bed sores, uh, pneumothoraces, uh, and um, uh, clots, uh, pulmonary emboli, uh, et cetera. So we combined that all into a composite, went uh, uh, over many, many times how to do that, and kindly finally arrived at uh, our approach and published it. And it's worked well. I think consumers have really liked it. And uh, we've got hospitals engaged in a, I think, constructive conversation as a result of that effort. And how would you compare consumer reports ratings and its approach to other rating agencies? If it's ones like U.S. News and World Report or the National Quality Forum or the Department of Health and Human Services Hospital Compare, from a consumer perspective, how would you help us differentiate each of these different, I think, credible sources for information? There's a lot of folks who are, in one way or another, doing comparisons. Where we fit is, first of all, we're a private, nonprofit, nonpartisan company, again, around for 77 years. So we have a very recognizable brand, and I'm pleased to say a highly trusted brand. Consumer Reports is one of the most trusted brands in the country. It's trusted because from its outset, the ways in which we pursued comparisons emphasize the independence. If you're going to do good comparisons, you have to be independent of the organizations that you are comparing. So, frankly, I think Consumer Reports does a much better job, both pre-comparison and post-comparison, of clearly staying independent of the folks that were ratings. 
for example, none of the folks involved in my team who are doing ratings can have any relationship with any of the folks that are being rated from a financial point of view, nor can uh, their families have any financial relationships with the folks that we rate. Then once we do the ratings, we feel very strongly that those ratings can't be used in advertising or promotion. I mean, some of our competitors exist because their business model sells their ratings and the ability to use it in advertising and promotions. We prohibit that. We, uh, every year, notify hundreds of organizations that use of our name or our brand is inappropriate and they need to take it down. And, and by the way, that's always respected. It's always done. So we occupy this very unusual niche in terms of independence and, and trustworthiness. In terms of the independence, what are some of the challenges in, in trying to rate but also remain independent? Well, it is challenging, and, and actually we're learning how challenging is, it is in health because there's enormous amounts of health information that's out there for free. Of course, some of it is clear-cut advertising and promotion, but there's a lot of good, solid health information that's out there and available for free. Wikipedia, for example, I think is a terrific source of good health information. So in, in order to fund our efforts, we have a lot of competition. Consumer Reports is primarily funded through a subscription model, and, and we have a magazine and newsletters and then a variety of web publications. We have a, a website, consumerreports.org. Those publications and our sites have, we think, more individual subscribers than any other website and many other print publications. But having said that, it's a very complicated business. You know, there's about 500 cars that we rate. Well, there's 5,000 hospitals, and there's over 900,000 doctors. And, of course, there's thousands of, uh, of health insurance plans. So the magnitude of the effort in health is daunting, and it meant that we have to do things in a variety of ways that are different. But so far, so good. They're They're working pretty well for us. If I'm an organization and you've rated me and I disagree with the rating, how do you handle that kind of situation? Let's say I'm a hospital and I'm not happy with the rating and I, I come back to you. What would that process look like? Well, in our case, folks have several options. They can write a letter to the editor and we will print those letters to the degree that we have room and we think that they're newsworthy. We have a customer relation team that will either talk to them or they can email their concerns or criticism. And, of course, the nature of the way we do things in health means that we're out there, I think, more than our colleagues in electronics or cars. So more and more people know who I am and know how to access me and realize in many cases in health we are using external data partners. So... We partner with NCQA about health insurance ratings. We partner with the Society of Thoracic Surgeons around uh, ratings for isolated coronary artery bypass graft. Um, we're partnering with a number of uh, regional health information collaboratives for information on physician groups. And so those groups can be uh, accessed. Now, when folks access us, of course, the first question we oftentimes ask them is, did you read our description of how we did these, how we did these ratings or, or rankings. 
as uh, always when we do comparisons, there is a usually pretty robust description of where the data came from, what the time frame the data represents, the methodology we use, down to the statistics and, and how the statistics were generated for uh, the ratings. Some people take the time to read that, others don't. Either way, you know, we want input into what we're doing, and we spend a lot of time getting feedback from organizations and, and individuals about our ratings, and we do make mistakes. And when we make make mistakes, we do our best to try and correct them. You know, you'd mentioned cars before. So, you know, personally, I can say that every car that I've ever bought, the first step is to look at consumer reports and start to narrow the field to those vehicles that are recommended. And I'm trying to wrap my mind around hospitals and doctors and, and just wondering how your approach would differ for physicians versus hospitals. That's a good question. There's some commonalities. I mean, we think that uh, there's four important elements of, of ratings regardless of what area we're in, and, and that would include cars or electronics. First of all, you, you would be surprised how difficult it, it can be to actually figure out the name of the item that you're rating. We're fortunate, for example, with hospitals that the American Hospital Association has a database that has all the hospital's names and their addresses, and a variety of other information about hospitals that come from a survey, and we can purchase that database, and, and it's reasonably up-to-date, though I would share with you it's probably the most common source of concerns that we get because um, the hospitals make mistakes in filling out that survey, and then things change. So the first thing is getting the name and, and address right. If, if you don't get that right, you look foolish to consumers. Uh, the second is people are interested in the experience other consumers have had, so patient experience. Part of that is satisfaction, but there's more to it than just satisfaction. There's coordination and how does the staff treat you, uh, things of, of this sort. The third element is quality. How good is the product or service in terms of preferably outcomes for bypass surgery, for example, What's the survival rate and what's the complication rate? That's what the consumers uh, want to know. And then the fourth is the cost. So for both hospitals and, and physicians, we think eventually it's those four items. Now, when you look at the two, there's we think a bit of a difference. I think uh, patients these days are very concerned about safety. And so we have really focused on the safety component of the quality indicator when it comes to hospitals because consumers more and more know that uh, patients are suffering from harm that's done in hospitals. Uh, that's a little bit of a harder concept to bring down to uh, physicians. It's there but not nearly as mature as it is uh, for hospitals. And then, of course, the, the cost issue is really complex. We don't have good information about that for either, but some uh, on the horizon. So, you know, to some degree, we look for who's doing the best work in a particular area and work with the data that we have. So from a patient perspective, if you could bring together sort of a focus group of patients and help them use the healthcare system more effectively, both in terms of how they choose physicians, but also how they choose hospitals. What kinds of advice would you give patients? Well, first of all, I think we would urge them, if they're in 
circumstances that allow it to access a variety of sources to provide information about the healthcare issue or decision that's uh, before them. And in some cases, that would involve uh, our information, to look for information that's uh, both qualitative and quantitative, and to put that together with information that uh, they get from their physician, from their friends and family, and talk over that decision, usually with their practitioner, their physician, uh, their nurse, a physician assistant, etc., to go over the pros and cons. I think we know from our surveys that we've done on patients that they highly value all the options being presented to them. And in most cases, there are multiple options. And uh, so we would urge uh, patients to be wary if they're told there's really only one option. Uh, that's rarely the case, and it should only be the case when uh, they've exhausted all the other options. So look at all the options, all the pros and cons, hopefully um, having the time to uh, weigh all of those and, and then proceed. Well, Dr. Santa, thank you for joining us for today's discussion and being so generous with your time. I really appreciate it. Hey, well, thanks for thinking of us. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.